You're listening to the Audacious Church Podcast. This message was recorded live at our Manchester campus. We know this is a great investment into your life. So tune in, listen up and stay focused. For any more information, visit us online, audaciouschurch.com. Hey everybody, happy Easter! My name is Chip. I'm married to Helen, who is service directing today. We have three kids. Cole, who's 15, who's on cameras. Eden, who is 11, she's serving on the kids' team today. And Elliot, who's nine years old, he will be out dancing in just a little bit. Round of applause for the Kendall family, bringing you Easter today. Rafaro and Tendo finish with that question. Why? Why are we the pinnacle of God's creation. Well, in a word, love. In a word, love. God loves me. Turn to the person next to you say, God loves me. It's good. I like that. I hear a lot of confidence in the room. But you know, I think you could say it a little bit more like Martin Luther King Jr. Say, God loves me. Yes. (laughs) God loves you. And the great thing about love is that there's different kinds of love. I love many people in this room, including Pastor Glenn right over here. I love you, Pastor Glenn. I love you, bro. It's okay to call you bro, isn't it? But my love for Pastor Glenn is different to the love that I have for my wife. We're all very happy about that, right? I love you, Helen, wherever you are. I think you're backstage in the gallery or maybe there at the back. But my love for my wife is different again to the love that I have for my kids. What? My son Cole is in this room right now. I would do anything for my son. He is a legend. I care about him. I will defend him. I'd take a bullet for him. That's the kind of love that I have for my son. Anybody else in the room? You got kids. You know what I'm talking about. Well, guess what? God loves us like a really good dad. He loves us unconditionally. God loves us so much. You know, I don't know what kind of battles you're facing in your home life. I don't know what kind of problems you might be facing at work. I don't know about some of the rough mental health issues you might even be going through. I don't know how the story of your life is shaping up so far, but I can tell you this, that your origin story is love. Come on, turn to somebody and say, my origin story is love. God loves you. God loves me. He loves us just the way we are, but too much to let us stay that way. Your Father in heaven is cheering you on. God is love. Check this out. This is what the Bible says in 1 John 4, verses 7 to 8. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. It's amazing, right? Love by definition needs to be reciprocated. God needed an object for his affection. He needed someone to love him back. He didn't really need anything, but he created us with a capacity to love him back. That is us. Genesis chapter one, verse one. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. 
And then it goes on to say in verse 26, then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. See, the story of the Bible from beginning to middle to end is one epic, giant, incredible love story. God loves us and he wants us to love him back. And we're going to talk about a little bit more of that story in just a little bit. But here's some other things that I really want to tell you. I believe that everything that God does, all his motivation is because of love. He created us because of love. He called us because of love. He introduced himself to us because of love. He walked with us because of love. He gave us his commands because of love. He rescued us because of love. He adopted us because of love. He retrained our thinking. (laughs) He reframed our identity because of love. And one day he will call us home forever. Why? Because of love. Are you guys getting this today? It's all because of love. I want to make that really clear today. But the second thing that I want to do is I want to zoom out a little bit because I want to look at the context. Yes, God wanted a relational connection to his creation, even though we might feel unimportant or insignificant or ordinary to our creator. We are the masterpiece. We're the pinnacle of his creation. But I want to look at the context. Look at the picture that it paints here of paradise right at the very beginning. Genesis chapter two, verse eight. You know, God's a big fan of paradise and perfection. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. And in the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. In Hebrew, I grew up in Israel, by the way. This is kind of cool because my parents are watching live from Jerusalem in Israel right now. You know, my dad sent an email this morning. He has a picture of the empty tomb. The tomb's still empty. He's risen. It's really real. It really happened. They're watching this. And in Hebrew, the Hebrew for tree of life. Are you ready for this? You didn't know you were coming to school today, did you? Hebrew for tree of life. Etz hachaim. Everybody say etz hachaim. Literally translated, the tree, the life. The tree, the life. God intended for us to have the life. He wanted us to experience the life. We read later on in the Bible, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Look at somebody next to you say, you need to live the life. I was trying to figure out how to illustrate this, and my son told me something yesterday. He said, you know, Dad, in the last six months, I've been to New York, and I've been to Venice. And he says, the difference between New York and Venice is that in New York, it's full of people who are trying to make it. And in Venice, it's full of people who've already made it. You know, over here, it's kind of like, If I can make it here, I can make it anywhere. That's what they say. You guys know this song? Got a pocket full of dreams, baby, I'm from. 
New York, concrete jungle where dreams are made of. There's nothing you can't do. Now you're in. These streets will make you feel brand new. Big lights will inspire you. Now you're in New York, New York. Come on, give yourself a round of applause. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then you go over to Venice, the life. Oh, what's that? You want to come into my shop and actually buy something? A little bit French, that's okay. I moved here to Venice, I can't even remember how long ago. I'll sell you something, but first, let me go pour myself a cup of coffee. You know, they're already living the life, right? The life that God intended for us to live is incredible. It's your, the life beyond your wildest dreams. In fact, it's the life of His dreams. Oh, isn't that good? Not just the life of our dreams, but the life of His dreams. I was meant to live the life. God created us. Our origin story is love. He wanted us to live the life. So what went wrong? Turn your attention to the screens for this next VT. So what happened next? Because that all sounds great, but it's not like the world that I see around me. Wars, broken families, sickness, and natural disasters. Where is Mr. All-Loving Creator God in all of that? And are we slipping back into chaos? Well, here's where the disconnect happens. Because God is loving, He designed humans with the ability to make their own decisions and choose their own destinies. Love, by definition, must involve choice, not just compulsion. The choice to live the way God had designed or to go a different way. There came a moment in the perfect early creation where everything got fractured. Humankind made some bad decisions, and those decisions inevitably drove them further away. Away from paradise, away from connection, and away from their relationship with God. Yeah, this is what the Bible describes as sin, essentially going against God's plan. This might look like lying, stealing, manipulation, pride, selfishness, murder, or just doing whatever it takes to get what you want. If we're honest with ourselves, we're all guilty of elements of some of that. Admittedly, we got really good at shifting the blame to someone or something else, but still find it impossible to live perfect lives. So this leads us to our next big question. Not just what went wrong, but what did Jesus do about it on that very first Easter? Yes. Come on, round of applause for our media department. They're doing a great job. All right, we're going to go back to the start of this one here. We really want you to watch. This is my friend Ben Hayden. He recorded this amazing spoken word. We're just going to all pay attention to this. Let's watch. I often wonder why we live in a broken, chaotic world, crumbling in need of peace. 
overwhelmed by the state of grief With people dying daily, children crying I've wondered why it doesn't cease Wonder why we make callous choices Constantly creating chaotic consequences again and again It's our craving for control that consistently causes conflict and pain The hunger for money and power consumes people's minds The way our pride makes us lie and our shame makes us hide Have you ever wondered why? Why we're surrounded by hurt, surrounded by war as world leaders fight and the innocent die It's obvious that human nature is at the heart of this storm It's the reason why countries fight for power and go to war It's the reason we break laws It's the force behind bad thoughts It's the source of every hurt and pain you've ever caused It's the reason you try and you try to be good And yet you still fall short it's like the issue you can't ignore We tried burying it deep but it can't be stored It can't be kept quiet anymore This chaos we cause is because we are consistently falling short Maybe you're a good person But even the definition of good is still flawed It is to be without mistake, without fault To be completely pure And every human has a nature flawed From the day that they're born Because human nature runs in our blood It runs in our thoughts so maybe we need to admit and realise our place We're lost and it's something we should address Something we should face All this hurt, pain, mess we make for our mistakes We all need mercy, we need forgiveness We need grace And all is not lost, we're all in the same boat Our mistakes cause pain but there is always hope And when you realise you can't save yourself You need someone else, a higher power It's really only God himself who can save us from all this chaos we need peace in the chaos. Come on, peace in the chaos. It's good, right? I got to go into a high school with that guy last week, and he is the real deal. And I love these words that he's written. He's crafted these just for our Easter Sunday today. Thank you, Ben. So back to the other one, the question, what went wrong and what did Jesus do about it? Another way of phrasing that is I've got some bad news and I've got some good news. Whenever we're asked that question, we always go for the bad news first because we know at least there's something good coming at the end. And this is some bad news that we've all really got to wrap our heads around. Otherwise, the good news will be foolishness to us. We've got to wrap our heads around the fact that we've sinned. And it goes right back again to the Garden of Eden with the tree of New York and the tree of Venice. <laughs> the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and the tree of life. How long do you think it was before human beings screwed things up? Genesis chapter 1, creation. Genesis chapter 2, the tree. Genesis chapter 3, the fall. <laughs> it didn't last very long because Adam and Eve were no different than us because we're broken individuals. We're hurting people. We need a savior. Is anybody with me this morning? We know that it wasn't just them. It's us too. Have you ever broken something? Like something really valuable. I remember when I was a kid, it was back when WWF was a thing. Do you guys remember the World Wrestling Federation? Come on, Macho Man Randy Savage and Hulk Hogan and all these guys who are in the news for all the wrong reasons now, but 
I mean, I loved it, and I was at home on my own for some reason. My parents never left me alone at home, but I was on my own in this, in this place, and I was watching this wrestling. I was bouncing off the walls. I was jumping off the bed. I grabbed the TV at one point, and I was like, come on, and then all of a sudden, the TV just fell off. Now, this is back in the days when TVs were like this, and I don't mean that wide. I mean that deep. They were basically giant boxes, and the TV went off the shelf and into the wall, and it left a massive hole in the wall. Have you ever broken something? Something of value. I was very nervous when my parents came home after that, and they're watching right now. That's really good. We all know what that's like to break something, whether it's a promise or whether it's something of value or it's trust, or we've just rebelled and tried to do things our own way. Have you ever broken someone's heart? Have you ever made your mom cry? Oh, I found out that when I got a tattoo, which I prayed about, you know, I made sure I went through the appropriate channels before I got a tattoo. But after I got a tattoo, I found out a long time later, I made my mom cry. What? Oh, I felt horrible. I felt horrible. Broken things must transform through one of three ways. They either need to be fixed or they need to be replaced or they need to be paid for. Was anybody here on Friday night? Pastor Stewart talking about Good Friday, paid in full. It was awesome. That's what happens with broken things. Romans chapter 3, verse 23 teaches us, for all have sinned, that includes you and me, and fallen short of the glory of God. If you don't know, sin is actually an old archery term meaning to miss the mark, to miss the mark. We love that God loves perfection, right? I mean, the tree, the garden, the life that he has for us. But if we're honest, we've all missed that mark for a myriad of reasons. And the Bible calls that sin. And sin is serious. It needs to be dealt with. God gave us his commands, but we've broken loads of them. Don't lie. Don't steal. Don't cheat. Don't be greedy for something that isn't yours. I mean, just walk into the Trafford Center, people. <laughs> and we're all guilty of that. And that's the bad news. Adam and Eve's rebellion created a fracture in the relationship with God. It's a broken relationship that needs fixing. God is a God of love, but he's also a God of justice. <sighs> Adam and Eve broke their one rule to not eat from that tree. But we do it all the time. We break our father's heart when we break his commands. Our sin has created a massive chasm between us and God, and that chasm just grew and grew. So that's the bad news. But the good news, what did Jesus do about it? Man, I hope you guys are ready because Easter is here, y'all. The good news is that Jesus made a way for us to be forgiven. Maybe, maybe you've seen the old diagrams with God over here in heaven and all of us over here on the earth wishing we could have the life, wishing we could have that, but they're divided by this giant chasm. 
And then Jesus dies on a cross on Good Friday, and he makes a way, he builds a bridge so that we can go from a place of brokenness and a place of need and a, a place of just horrible, never getting anything that we want, the results that we want, the way that we want them, to go from here because of Jesus paying the price, dying on the cross, unlocking the doorway so that we can have full access to God in heaven. We can experience everything that he's got for us. This is the good news. Now, I just want to very quickly build some context because Jesus was a real person. The historicity of Jesus is pretty much undoubted by most serious historians. Hundreds of eyewitness accounts to him dying and coming back to life. No one in ancient times debated the existence of Jesus as a historical figure. Non-religious historical records and accounts corroborate the existence of Jesus. There's a famous historian named Myers. He said, I don't know any mainstream scholar who doubts the historicity of Jesus. The details have been debated for centuries, but no one who is serious doubts that he's a historical figure. Billy Graham. Oh, I love Billy Graham. There is more evidence that Jesus rose from the dead than there is that Julius Caesar ever lived or that Alexander the Great died at the age of 33. <laughs> he was a real person. And that means we've got some decisions to make. Even though he was the last person to deserve it, he was the only one qualified because when he was around 33 years of age, Jesus was crucified on a cross, died a criminal's death. His followers couldn't quite wrap their heads around it at the time, but we now know that he was taking responsibility, consequence, punishment for the, all the sins of all time of all people. We talked about it on Good Friday. It was so great, Pastor Stewart. Really good. Go back and watch the video if you have time. It's on YouTube. There's this great picture of the curtain being torn. And I'm glad that Pastor Stewart talked about it. You know, that curtain was as thick as a man's fist. And this is what separated God's presence from the rest of humanity. There's this beautiful moment where Jesus cries, it is finished, or as Pastor Stewart taught us, paid in full. He took the consequences and he gives up his spirit and then the curtain is torn from the top to the bottom. Some of you are feeling distant from God today and your Easter good news is that God has torn the curtain. It's been ripped from top to bottom. Come on, John 10. Verse 10, I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whoever believes in him doesn't have to perish or die forever, but can have eternal life. If you're trapped in a fire, you qualify for the fire department to show up and do something about it. If you suffer a heart attack, you qualify for an ambulance to come and get you to the hospital. And this morning on Easter Sunday, if you are a sinner, you qualify for a savior. Because of Jesus, we can have life to the full here on earth and life in eternity in heaven with God. And we're gonna get audacious kids out right now to sing a song called God's Awesome Rescue Plan. 
And I want you guys to join in, get your cameras out, film them, because this is the message of Easter. Jesus came and rescued us on Easter Sunday. So check this out, guys. So it sounds like everything's okay then. Sin used to mean that we were separated from God, but on that first Easter, Jesus took care of that. Sin isn't a problem and we can all live happily ever after? Well, almost. When he died, Jesus did say, it is finished. But he was talking about death and sin no longer having the final say. We still have a choice to make. Like we said at the beginning, God designed us with free will so we could choose to love and follow Him or not. That looks like choosing to live for God and not just for ourselves. Choosing to accept that we have done wrong things, however big or small, and that we need forgiveness. It's kind of like the difference between saying sorry as a child because your parents told you to, or genuinely knowing that you did something wrong and wanting to make things right and do things differently the next time. Yeah. What Jesus did at Easter paves the way for us to change and live differently. So let's talk a little more about that, about where we go from here. Wow, are you feeling the Easter vibes yet? <laughs> oh man, I love seeing the kids dance and sing. And that really is the whole story of Easter. It's John 3:16 set to music. God so loved the world. But we do want to talk about where we go from here. We've had the God loves us. We get it. We realize that we've sinned, that we have created this chasm between us and God. We've broken the relationship. But we also recognize the good news that Jesus came and he did something about it. He died on the cross so that we could be forgiven. And the final point that we want to get to today is really important that we all have a decision to make. We've all got to decide for ourselves, what are we going to do with Jesus. I also want to lean a little bit more into the resurrection. I mean, it's Easter Sunday, right? <laughs> Man, where do we go from here? Check this out in 1 Corinthians 15. This is written by Paul. He was one of the apostles. He was one of Jesus's close followers, but this is after he died and came back to life. And he wrote this like 50 to 60 years after the original Easter. Listen to these words. Scripture tells it that he was buried, that he was raised from death on the third day, again, exactly as Scripture says, that he presented himself alive to Peter, then to his closest followers, and later to more than 500 of his followers all at the same time, most of them still around, although a few have since died that he then spent time with James and the rest of those he commissioned to represent him, and that he finally presented himself alive to me. <laughs> this is Paul writing it down. He's trying to make it clear and legal and real. And he's like, Jesus is alive. This is a true thing. Now, C.S. Lewis, a great British man. I know that God is not British but C.S. Lewis was British. And I love C.S. Lewis. I love his writings. And check this out. This is a little bit of a long quote, but it's so good. It's taken from his book called Mere Christianity. This is what C.S. Lewis says. I am trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him, talking about Jesus. 
I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is the one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would be either a lunatic on the level with the man who says he is a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool, you can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. Oh! But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. Some people shorten this quote to liar, lunatic, or Lord. And I like that because it makes it really clear. These are the only options open to us. He was either a con man, which doesn't really make sense because a con man wouldn't give his life for the con in this way. And, and his followers wouldn't become martyrs for the cause in this way if this was just a con man. These guys knew it to be true. Or he was a liar, uh, sorry, lunatic, liar, lunatic, you know, like, like he was just a madman. He was just a crazy person and he happened to be right about just a bunch of stuff. No, 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 no. Jesus was a rabbi. He was a teacher. He knew his stuff. He was in his right mind. Jesus was definitely not a lunatic. Oh, my days. I mean, he communicated. The Bible says that the religious people, when they heard him communicate, they were amazed that he spoke with such authority. And these are the people in authority. The Bible says that there were some very clever people that Jesus would get into some of these word battles about, right? It was like the equivalent of like a rap battle. And he would outsmart them every time. They would end up running away with their tail tucked between their legs. They're like, oh no, we can't, we can't say anything better than that. He was in his right mind. Jesus was Lord. <laughs> I mean, Lewis says, that. he says, surely it only leaves one conclusion. Jesus was who he said he was. And this is the game changer. I love the fact that God is just so clever that he can weave the Easter story in such a way that the people were not expecting it to happen like that. Oh man. I mean, he is amazing. He's so beautiful. He's such a good writer. He's so inventive. He's so creative that he can weave the story of, of what we've been talking about so cleverly that even his closest followers didn't see it coming. And then after it happened, they could not possibly deny it. Thank you for listening to this Audacious podcast. For any more information, visit us online, audaciouschurch.com. We'd love for you to join us at one of our campuses, Manchester, Chester, or online every Sunday, 10 a.m. and 12 p.m. 